dressed up for Halloween this year. I'm wearing a wig, a, gr- a really good wig. I ca- I'm dressed as a handsome man. That's what I'm going as for Halloween tomorrow night, a handsome man. That's odd. And uh, I mean, who am I to question a man as handsome as yourself? But it's, just, it's quirk. I'd try it on, see what it's like to get hit on all the time, have people just kind of part the way as I'm walking through a crowd. Oh, handsome man coming. So women the, come up, hand you their phone numbers. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the most uh, interesting consequence of uh, being good looking to us is people assume you are competent. Mm. Which, looking forward to that. You know, you'd think our entire ta- track record would lay that to rest, but <laughs> indeed. Uh, so I was, uh, well, uh, all of us, I think, uh, had our eye caught uh, by the headline yesterday that Glenn Greenwald, uh, crusading journalist, you first became aware of him during the Snowden affair, probably back in the day, and he's uh, fiercely independent. He's a lefty in terms he's, of his yeah. personal politics. He's absolutely a lefty. He's certainly not a Trumper. But the headline was that he had quit his own enterprise, The Intercept, a, an, a website, a journalistic website that he had co-founded with a couple other journalists. And his explanation of why he'd quit was, uh, it was fiery and really good, really interesting. Uh, but he uh, he did some appearances. Is this on Tucker last night? Yeah, it is. Okay. Uh, w- w- he explains um, why he did what he did. And, you know, there, there are times that we'll, uh, we'll have big fun doing the show and exaggerate just to entertain you or whatever. I want you to understand the idea of the lockstep, just chokehold the left has on American journalism is not an exaggeration to get you all excited, okay? It's not exaggerated. It's amazing the more you know about it. Uh, Go ahead. Let's just roll clip 40 and see what old Glenn has to say. Well, the news organization that I co-created was in 2013 at the height of the Snowden reporting. I left The Guardian to do it because I was seeing that there were a lot of constraints imposed on journalism and their ability, our ability, to report freely against governments, against power centers, against all kinds of institutions that wield authority. And the premise of the news outlet, the core overarching premise, the reason it was created was to ensure that journalists would always have complete journalistic independence and editorial freedom, never have to pull punches journalistically or pay homage to pieties because of the preferences, the partisan or ideological preferences of editors or of anybody else. That was the core founding idea and vision. And then that is what makes it so amazing that at the very outlet that I co-created that was built on my reputation, my credibility, my journalistic accomplishments, then tried to intervene to censor me six days before an election because I wanted to publish reporting and analysis about the evidence that raises serious questions about the conduct of the candidate that all of the editors at that outlet vehemently and enthusiastically support. Uh, I have what he actually wrote. I haven't heard the, the rest of the clips. It's up to you guys if you think they're... Uh, to summarize one, one that really stood out to me is that uh, he's angry that now the people that run the CIA and the NSA and the FBI, the people that the left were so scared of for decades and especially angry with after the Iraq war, felt like you know those are scary organizations that spy on us and get us into wars and all that and sort of drone stuff. Drone people, torture people. Now the left is listening to those people uh, and taking their word for the fact that uh, there's nothing to this story. With it's rushing disinformation. 
the, the Joe whole, Biden business with Hunter thing. Yeah, or yeah. anything else that they that that they're so you know firmly anti-Trump with. Yeah, you had Clapper and Brennan and more former top intelligence officials state unequivocally, yeah, this laptop thing is Russian disinformation. Then it turned out it's not at all. No way. So they out and out lied to you. But the lefty journalism of today worships those people all of a sudden. It right. doesn't even so, question them. And so Glenn Greenwald's concern is that if you have the, the left media being in cahoots with the intelligence gathering operations and a White House, that we're going to be in a pretty scary place. Yeah. So let me read to you the beginning of what uh, Glenn Greenwald wrote. He explains that he sent his resignation to The Intercept. The final precipitating cause is that The Intercept's editors, in violation of my contractual right of editorial freedom, censored an article I wrote this week, refusing to publish it unless I remove all sections critical of Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden, the candidate vehemently supported by all New York-based Intercept editors involved in this effort at suppression. The censored article, based on recently revealed emails and witness testimony, raised critical questions about Biden's conduct. Not content to simply prevent publication of this article at the media outlet I co-founded, these Intercept editors also demanded that I refrain from exercising a separate contractual right to publish this article with any other publication. Um, <clears throat> and, and he goes on in, in great detail, and we'll post his screed for you at armstrongandgetty.com. Um, I find the reply to his resignation by The Intercept unbelievable. I haven't heard that. Glenn Greenwald's decision to resign from The Intercept stems from a fundamental disagreement over the role of editors in the production of journalism and the nature of censorship. Glenn demands the absolute right to determine what he will publish. Well, that's what his contract says, but anyway... He believes that anyone who disagrees with him is corrupt, and anyone presumes to edit his words is a censor. Thus, the preposterous charge that the Intercept's editors and reporters, with the lone noble exception of Glenn Greenwald, have betrayed our mission, etc., and have been seduced by the lure of the Joe Biden presidency. So, I read that as strong stuff. He's saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, we didn't do that. We've published articles about Joe Biden. That's not true. And then they explain exactly... What happened and why they censored him, quashed his article, demand he not publish it anywhere, again, in violation of the contract. While he accuses us of political bias, it was he who was attempting to recycle the dubious claims of a political campaign, the Trump campaign, and launder them as journalism. So... The unforgivable, the unthinkable, the certainly unpublishable thing Glenn Greenwald wanted to do was recycle the dubious claims of a political campaign that Joe Biden was indeed involved in Hunter Biden's business dealings. They dismissed that out of hand as unpublishable. Glenn is saying these people are so ideologically crazy now, they've lost their perspective. And they just reinforced it. Well, you don't even have to go that far that he was involved in some uh, dirty business dealings. They don't even want to investigate it. They don't even want to mention that there could be something here. We should look into it. Right. They, they, in general, about the nature of power and money and influence. Right? Yeah, exactly. Nothing there. 
Um, Dubious claims of the Trump campaign, recycling them and laundering them as journalism. Oh, that sounds like a uh, a neutral and, and curious editor. No, it doesn't. It sounds like a political hack. That's unbelievable. And that is how crazy they are. That That is a fatal indictment of themselves, that sentence. Oh. And yet they're so nuts, they didn't realize it and went ahead and wrote it. Um, I'll bet Glenn Greenwald's going to end up on uh, Bill Maher's show at some point talking about this. Uh, I want one of these. I don't know which one's the best. I'm going to guess and hope so. Of 43 there, Sean. So when we were doing the Snowden reporting, one of the things that brought induced Edward Snowden to come forward as someone who had worked in the CIA and the NSA was his anger and horror that the tools of the NSA had been turned on the American people. They're supposed to spy on foreign adversary governments, but they weren't. They were collecting our phone records. Same with the CIA. They're trained disinformation agents. That's what they do. They lie for a living. But they're supposed to do that in other countries where we want to induce some sort of change, overthrow a government, topple a regime, whatever, quote unquote, interference the U.S. government wants to do, the way we're also upset that Russia did in 2016. That's what they're trained to do. The law, though, and the obvious foundational prohibition on having a, a security state, a national security state after World War II, was it was never supposed to be turned domestically. They weren't supposed to be involved right. in our politics or disseminating propaganda. Go turn on any of those other cable networks or pick up the op-ed page of any of the biggest newspapers, and all you'll see are ex-members of the CIA, the DOJ, the FBI, the NSA, telling Americans what they ought to believe. They've infiltrated the means of communication domestically. They do it through leaks. They do it through clandestine operations and through lies. They propagandize the American people in a way that is incredibly dangerous, no matter what your ideology is. That's pretty interesting stuff right there. And, you know, on a different story, but a similar sort of thing, do you remember when, how many years ago was it that Anonymous came out in the New York Times and wrote that op-ed about all, he was a key White House figure, and here's what people are saying and doing in the White House. And it was all the talk for a couple of weeks there. Part of the resistance. And is Trump so out of control that they need to pull the 25th Amendment and get him out of there? And it was all these different quotes from Anonymous. Then Anonymous put out a book. Who was Anonymous? Well, he was claimed to be by by the the, the big-time media, you know, a, a key source inside the White House with direct knowledge of everything. Well, then the word came out yesterday is a real low-level person that wouldn't have had that sort of access. And Jonathan Swan said, I didn't realize that the definition of senior administration official, in quotes, could be this expansive. Wasn't even an agency chief of staff at the time the op-ed ran. Uh, so even um, uh, Jonathan Swan and people, you know, that hit it down the middle or to the left are saying, this is the... The key source for Anonymous we were all talking about, somebody with this low level yeah. of information, yeah. that's the sort of thing Glenn Greenwald is talking about right there. Yeah, and if you don't know the history of this sort of thing, uh, picture, uh, what's an up and down wave? Is that a sine wave? I was never a great math guy. Nah, yeah. So picture an up and down wave. The CIA and the NSA, which is much newer, but the FBI have through their history had times where they went way over the line and were really abusing American citizens in a way that they're not supposed to at all. You're familiar with some of those things, right? Some of those incidents surveilling uh, Martin Luther King files on John Lennon, the rest of it, um, and, and stuff more insidious than that. We're not immune from the forces of history. I mean, the idea that these people have gotten 
way too self-important and entitled and are now exceeding the the bonds of what they ought to be doing. That's not that surprising. It happens over and over again. Intelligence services overreach. That's what they do. There's a great and interesting topic that the CIA during the post uh, first Gulf War period into the war on terror, etc., the CIA became weaponized. They had their own military forces, humans and drones and bombs, and they had their own kinetic capabilities. They had never had before. It was it was strict verboten, as they say in Germany. Um, and it became verboten again, but for a while they actually would say, you know, this guy needs to die, let's bomb him. The CIA had, in effect, an Air Force. Um, so Glenn Greenwald is not out of his mind. It, he's right. And the fact that you got your Brennans and Clappers and company and all sorts of anonymous leakers willing to just say stuff to you that is patently untrue, that ought to worry you. So some things we need to talk to. President France says we will be giving into nothing about the terrorism. Netflix is raising its rates. You probably ought to know that. Uh, a man fell into a sinkhole full of rats. That's an interesting story. That's a shame. Oh, geez. It's a it's an ugly tale. All on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Man in the Bronx who was waiting for a bus recently broke his leg and arm after he fell into a 15-foot sinkhole full of rats that opened up underneath him. The man described the experience as still better than the bus. <laughs> oh, it is to laugh. I missed the joke. Sinkhole full of rats is the uh, is the troubling fourth volume of my autobiography, by the way. It's uh, I got the story. My early radio career, yes? Uh, Leonard Shoulders says he's traumatized after the incident. I'm sure he is. Um, in which he fell into a sinkhole full of rats. Well, on the way down, he, he scraped the hell out of his face. Okay? It was a 15-foot drop, I think? Then yeah. dropped 15 feet into a... a pit s- of active, curious rats, it says here. Well, yeah, so he, he, he has his face injured as he goes through the sidewalk... Breaks his arm and his leg when he hits bottom, then realizes there are rats running all over him, and he couldn't even open his mouth to scream because he was afraid a rat would crawl in. Hmm. Other than that, how was your day, Leonard? Half hour he was in there. Yeah. Oh. Until the, 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 the first responders could get down there with the ladder. Jeez. Plunged right through the sidewalk. Oh. Gemini. I hate this story. Oh. Once there was some yeah, Halloween, once, indeed. Once I realized there was somebody there trying to get me out, I could get into a different mental space. But yes. if I thought, you know, how am I just going to die here? I'm going to be forever. That that period would be awful. You'd if be you down there. That. Help! And the New Yorkers would be saying, "I don't want to get involved." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Poor son of a gun. Uh, the Who ra- do you sue? You got to sue somebody. We're talking to Lon. The rats, first of all. Yeah. We're talking to Lon Hee Chen, one of the best political pundits out there. 
in uh, a few minutes. Next segment about what should we what should we talk about? What's well, it, what's well, hot in politics right now? Mandalorian's back. Mandalorian is back. Right. The Dodgers won. I guarantee he would like to talk about All that. All right. But what do we talk? What is there to say about the presidential election? That's what we do for a living. Come up with something that's not tired, trite, and and. You know, you've well, heard a thousand times. I'd say already. it's pretty hard at this point because the the uh, listen to him. He's given up. The conversations after a result will be, I think, as fascinating as a time as there's been in uh, in recent politics. Trump win or lose, the Republican Party has to figure out who they are going forward. Because mm-hmm. Trump's going away either in a couple of months or four years, he won't be there anymore, and got to figure yeah. out what they are. Yeah, that's actually honestly, Democrats have to figure out who they are. Also, I was going to say that's a constant in politics. I think that well, I whole know. narrative is a little over. Really? Overdone. Well, I, don't yeah. know. I don't know about to this extreme, though. Mm, yeah, I just uh, the one thing I'd like to see changed is the political parties figure out who they are, regardless of who the candidate is. We're the socialist party yeah, if yeah. Bernie wins. We're a moderate party if so-and-so wins. No, right. what are you? Yeah. And then find a candidate. That's the way they do it in other countries, and who, I think they've got it right and we've got it wrong, even though we're the world's oldest democracy. Yeah, you get some guy who's good with a line, and he's handsome, and or, or gal, or whatever, and they seize the moment, just momentarily, and, and, and they get the nomination. Then all of a sudden, you're the party of what they think? Because the unwashed masses for two weeks got turned on by this guy in Iowa. That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Hey, hey, hey. Netflix has responded to the flood of new streaming competitors, HBO Max, Disney Plus, Peacock. Is that an NBC thing? Yes. It is, sir. I don't have Peacock. What do I need on Peacock? Anything? Probably not. I can't afford all You get your friends. Yeah, friends office, I think. Uh, But the standard Netflix plan is going up to $14 a month. Whoa! $2 raise for the premium. So there you go. Boo! Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld. Transition from the oil industry, yes. We need other industries to transition to get to ultimately a complete zero emissions by 2025. It has to be replaced by renewable energy. We have to move toward a net zero emissions. The first place to do that by the year 2035 is in energy production by 2050 totally. <laughs> so wow. he had three different dates in there. But in a normal presidential election, one of the candidates saying we're going to be completely off oil in five years would be just, you know, earth shattering, vote changing sort of a thing. First of all, you'd have been doomed in previous years. Or at the very least, you'd be asked, uh, did you mean that? But now it's just all personality. You either like one guy's personality or you don't. You stomach him or not. That policy will worry about that later. Well, we're fond of Lon He Chen's personality. Lon He is the David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, host of the excellent podcast, Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen, and joins us now. Lon He, how are you, sir? Good morning. Uh, good to be with you. Excellent. Really like your Twitter handle. Lon He Chen, what, what Lakers and Creative. Dodgers are world champions? That's your Twitter handle now. Oh yeah, you know, well, it's you, you have to celebrate, right? I mean, two 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 teams celebrating a championship in the same year doesn't happen that often. So you know, I figured I would commemorate. There that. you go. 
And the fact that, well, never mind, I'm not going to get into that. I was going to go on my uh, anti-LeBron James rant, but who has the time? You know, it's funny, it just came to my attention. Alert listener Jeff uh, sent us an article from the Stanford Daily. Well, it's an opinion piece by one David Palumbo Lou, which uh, posits oh, yeah. that the uh, the Hoover Institution is wrong-headed and dangerous, and that it 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 ought to be ignored because it's it's not neutral it it doesn't accept all points of view and at no point in this brave and courageous defense of stanford university does this sage admit that most of academia is in lockstep with the left well that's that's precisely the problem and that's precisely right i mean if you look at what a place like hoover is is it's committed to the idea that you can have differing opinions. And by the way, if you look at the number of people at Hoover who don't agree with Donald Trump or don't agree with conservative ideas, there are many of them. Uh, it, it is an institution dedicated to, you know, we, we say we're dedicated to ideas that define a free society. And one of the, the cornerstone ideas there is the idea that you can disagree with people. And that's the problem with academia, as you guys know. There is anytime someone steps up and challenges the orthodoxy, challenges what most people think they flip out they just they, they don't know how to deal with it they flip out mm-hmm. and you know that's exactly the situation we have here I'm, I'm going to read one sentence then we can move on from uh david palumbo lou's uh, uh unintentionally hilarious piece he may be the greatest comedian of our time he wrote the following the premise of universities is that knowledge should be pursued no matter where the pursuit leads there should be no restriction on research no matter how inconvenient the truth is to one's ideological commitments Again, truly hilarious, the idea that that's what's happening in America's university. I salute, as a humorist, David, I salute you. So we're talking with Lon He Chen, one of my favorite pundits. One of my favorite pundits is actually uh, James Carville, who uh, helped Bill Clinton get elected. I like his accent. I also think he boils things down pretty well. He said the other day... Like a people, good gumbo, he boils it down. People talk about what the number one issue <laughs> is. Is it uh, COVID? No, it's not COVID. It's not the economy. It's Donald Trump. There's only one issue in this election. It's Donald Trump. And I think, you know, that's pretty darn close to right, isn't it, Lonnie? Either consume yeah. Trump or you can't. And that's the end of the story. Yeah. And, and you know, you all you see all these other issues and, and they're big issues, but you tend to see them through the light of how you feel about Donald Trump. Even, you know, you talk about covid uh, people who have a certain opinion of Donald Trump are more likely to see, you know, more covid restrictions as necessary. They're more likely to see or, or, or be distrustful of things they hear from the government about covid you know, all of these things are related at the end of the day to how one feels about Donald Trump. And to a certain degree, Carville is right in the sense that when you have an incumbent being reelected or going up for a reelection campaign, the principal way to think about that campaign is as a referendum on the incumbent. And that's absolutely what we have this year. People are trying to figure out, they're not trying to figure out, they know. How do you feel about Donald Trump? But that, that's, and that drives your vote. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get that. That's always the case. It's a referendum on the incumbent. But usually it's on the incumbent's policies also and what they've done, what they don't do. I just think this is so much on Trump's personality. I, I, I see what you mean that it's filt- other issues are filtered through. But it's just he, he either makes you so insane that agree with him or don't. You can't vote for him or, or, or you're on the other side and you... I wonder if if Trump just thought, yeah, that's that's fine, that's good, that's what I want. I will win that way. You think he he understood that and thought that was still a winning way to, to approach it? 
Yeah, I think he probably felt that, you know, look, there are a lot of things about Trump. I think one thing he does not lack for is confidence. And, yeah. and, and it certainly is the case that he feels like he can win on, on his own merits, regardless of what those merits are. I, I do think it is telling. You guys played that Joe Biden clip from the last debate in the open where he basically talks about completely changing the way we live our lives. And, you know, people don't even bat an eye. Yeah, it's not amazing. Media. Certainly not the mainstream media, by the way. They have not been interested at all in talking about the implications of moving away from from fossil fuels in, in whatever period of time you pick. Ten years, 20 years, whatever it is. One out of ten jobs in America thing. are associated with it. It's just it would be it, it'd be a, a, well, like you said, it'd be changing the way we live our lives. It doesn't even it doesn't even become a topic. And, and by the way, you know, have, I, I encourage people to go and look at this Green New Deal. I know you guys have talked about it on your show. I encourage people to actually go and look at what it means and what it would do. And, and, and people were giving Trump, you know, the fact checkers were saying, well, when he was talking about windows, he wasn't exactly accurate. It, look at the Green New Deal. This thing is, is a complete uh, uh, overturning of how people live their lives now. You know, are there elements of the idea of trying to get more sustainable with energy that are good? Sure. But the idea that you have to go and retrofit entirely current every single current building uh, in order to comply with this newfangled notion of what's right and wrong, that to me is tremendously, tremendously problematic and totally overlooked, totally overlooked. And as I always have to point out, the environmental aspect of the Green New Deal was tacked on toward the end. According to the people who came up with it, it was first and foremost a reordering of the economic world, a, a turn toward a, a new New Deal, socialism. Um, and and they put the environmental stuff on there as well. Lon He Chen of the Hoover Institution is on the line. Uh, hey, uh, what do you make of the fact that in some places, Texas, I heard, they've already had more early votes than they had total votes last election yeah it's a function of two things i think one is there is great enthusiasm there's no question about it people are very interested in this year's election they're 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 very much involved but the other thing is look because of the pandemic people are seeking out other ways of making their voices heard and that will mean more early vote in person that will mean more uh absentee balloting you've got many more states where you can cast a mail-in vote from for any reason at all here in California, you guys are well aware of this. You know, everybody gets a ballot, whether you want one or not. And so that drives up the number of people who voted early. And I think it's a predictable consequence of the, of the pandemic, of where we are in this year's electoral cycle, but also kind of people's level of interest. If, if we have 160 million people vote instead of whatever it was, 135 yeah. million people vote, does that clearly benefit anybody or is that still completely up in the air? I, you know, I don't know that it does. I, I mean, I suppose the conventional wisdom is it benefit, benefits Democrats. But here's the thing. Uh, Republicans have done a lot of work on voter registration over the last couple of years. Uh, and it, it is very different than in, in previous years where clearly if there was more voter registration, it was going to be a problem for Republicans. That's not been the case in states like Pennsylvania and states like Florida. There's actually been a, an uptick in Republican registration because Republican Party state organizations as well as the national GOP have recognized the importance of bringing new voters online. And by the way, this is the core of the Trump campaign's thesis, that the polls are wrong because the makeup of the electorate has changed and the Republican Party has helped to change that composition. And and that's why Trump has a lot more of a chance than most pollsters uh, say he does. Well, and he final question from me, is it uh, is it legal? Is it constitutional? Can there be a way found to prevent stupid people from voting? (laughs) 
<laughs> people who have no friggin' idea what the candidate's uh, uh, spouse or what the issues are. You know, um, what I what I really uh, blame this on or what I really think about is what, what can our educational system be doing to prepare people better in the future? Because, you know, people are the way they are now. And it's it's you know as you say a lot of people go to the ballot box and and they don't they don't have information they don't have facts but that doesn't mean they're not entitled or, or don't have a right to vote I think what we need to do is we really need to focus in on how can we make sure that tomorrow's voters are actually coming up with the right kind of you know education unfortunately our educational system is not doing a great job of that well they're indoctrinating them into at, racism and Marxism that's currently exactly, that's exactly right that's yeah. exactly right they're, they're they're being raised up with a particular point of view and that's the most disappointing thing to go back to the start of our conversation if it were the case that the educational institution really actually promoted a diversity of views that'd be great but that's not what we're seeing now yeah it's a shame Lon he Chen is the host of the podcast crossing lines with Lon he Chen and is the Devin Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution. Lonnie, it's always a pleasure. Thanks a million. Great to be with you guys. Thanks. I didn't want to get into what ifs because we'll have a result probably by the time we talk to him next week. And, you know, we can talk about the, the landscape as it is. No more, you know, hypotheticals. But uh, I've heard a couple of people say, smart people that I like, say uh, Biden secretly is hoping he wins and the Republicans hold on to the Senate because then he's got cover so he doesn't have to do things he doesn't want to do. You know, that's funny. You read my mind. I was thinking, who is the real Joe Biden at this point? And will he assert himself if he wins and say to the AOCs and the lunatics, that stuff isn't happening? <laughs> Because he has no need to run for a second term. Uh, something tells me he's not going to be present You're, for a second term. He doesn't want to end the filibuster or pack the court. Your no. personality doesn't change when you're 78 years old. You don't no, he's a traditionalist. Com- yeah. So um, uh, I heard a pretty good strategy. And again, this is a hypothetical. It could be worthless uh, if Trump pulls it out. Um, but they, uh, they run some sort of legislation like... Um, or how Schumer gets the filibuster to happen and gets political will for it. They come up with a a big coronavirus package. You know, it's stalled right now. Nancy Pelosi won't go for it. You know, we're not going to have it. The country overwhelmingly wants it, the polls show. Mm-hmm. Schumer comes up with something that the, the Republicans don't vote for. And he says, look, polls show 80% of people want a coronavirus package. We need it now more than ever. We have no chance, no choice with these intransigent Republicans but to do away with the filibuster right. and get this through. And you'd have public support for that yeah. well, on that issue, but it will blow up the Senate. And it'll be a completely new deal going forward. Right. To pardon the expression, a new deal going yeah. forward. They will put a poison pill in it so right. obnoxious that the Republicans can't possibly vote for but it. But people won't know that. No, 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 no. People only know the first sentence about legislation. Which is why the, my opponent voted against funding the army. That's pretty clever, though. Works. That's pretty clever. I could see that working. Look, these the in these times, we need a coronavirus package. The last thing I want to do is end the filibuster. But, you know, he'll have the cover for it. Right. And then Biden's in trouble. Right. 
And, you know, the fact that there's a clause in legislation, Ted Cruz will be telling you, it says they're going to grind senior <laughs> citizens into ground meat. It's Come on. in there. But he voted against the package to help working Americans. Right, exactly. And, and the, the people of America will never have any idea. Then the now, House yeah, and Senate. Wonder, what am I, trying to drive people to despair? Then the House and Senate. It's start, realism. The House and Senate start passing crazy stuff because they only right. need 50 votes after right. that. And then Biden's got the, am I going to veto this? Right. And then we husband our weapons, we vanish <laughs> into the hills, and we start the insurrection. <laughs> Who's with me? Oh, my God. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Halloween is this Saturday, and if you can't afford to go to a haunted house, just visit your office for the first time since March. Oh, those used to be pickles. (laughs) (laughs) We've commented many times, if you go over into the sales area at the radio station, it's like... um, the, there was an abduction or something like that. The the desks yeah. all look like people just walked away from them to go to lunch. Yeah, it's like a science fiction movie where all the humans have disappeared and the one remaining man wanders through the city. It has that uh, that feel. So people must have gone home thinking they were coming back the next day and there was an announcement you're not coming back or, or must have thought it was going to be very short term or something. Yeah, absolutely. S- some of the former and quite a bit of the latter. Yeah. You remember when somebody, uh, well, there are a number of uh, incidents like this where early on in the vid, somebody said, you know, we might not even be able to, you know, do this in March yeah, right. or in April. And we yeah. were like, what? Come on. Unbelievable. Well, I know when my son's school got canceled for the whole month, the end of March, they're going to cancel the entire month of April. And everybody was cheering and it was like, crazy. can you believe this is happening? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, hey, reopen the schools. Any schools that aren't open, open them. I am wearing a Halloween costume for the first time in uh, many, many years. I've got a uh, a wig on. Uh, I'm going as a handsome man tomorrow night. Huh. And I think I do look handsome. And I'm kind of like enjoying the perks of being handsome here in the workplace. <laughs> the way people treat you, it's different. Uh, I like it. Um, good. I, I don't, good for you. I don't actually know if trick-or-treating is happening tomorrow night. I've been assuming all along it would. I'm a little nervous because my kids are so excited and they, they love getting the candy and they're all dressed up. I don't know if we're going to go to the neighborhood we normally go to and there won't be a light on on the street. I don't actually know. I hope there will be. Well, and I wonder whether you'll run into militant anti-trick-or-treat types, especially in the uh, People's Republic of where you live. Yeah. Very liberal. I don't. So I don't know what to expect. So uh, in my neighborhood, they hand out ammunition for Halloween. I live in a, a different place than Jack. So the uh, so that's one holiday, Halloween, which either is or isn't going to happen. We'll have a uh, a post script on that on Monday, I guess. In my neighborhood, every kid is either dressed as Ted Nugent or Ronald Reagan. <laughs> and it's a shame because Halloween, you know, only like once every seven years falls on a Saturday night where it's perfect for, you know, the, the Halloween party crowd or little kids or whatever. You don't have to go to school the next day, hurry home, eat two pieces of candy, get into bed because you got school the next day. It's a Saturday night. You sit up and eat candy till you vomit. Oh, yeah. Recover and eat candy oh, again. Living the dream. Boot and rally. Yep. As an eight-year-old. Eight <laughs> Ew. Um, but uh, Christmas is going, too, and Toys R Us has revealed... I thought they closed. 
They've got their hottest toys for the holidays list. It's a website now, I think. Okay. Um, I was looking over some of them. A lot of your usual suspects, various kinds of Legos and that sort of stuff, a Paw Patrol thing, a Peppa Pig thing, a PJ Masks thing, Star Wars Mandalorian stuff. Mandalorian comes back tonight for Mandalorian fans. It is the way. Uh, my kids already have a whole bunch of these. Why do they have the hottest toys on the list already? That's not good. Ah, bad parenting. The Hot Wheels <laughs> Sky Crash Tower. We got that like three weeks ago. I don't know what that is, but I want one. That yeah. sounds awesome. Ten-year-old yeah. uh, me just got so excited hearing about that. Once your kids are grown, it's like being a former sports fan. I don't, I don't know who's on what teams. But listen to this one. Barbie Dreamhouse Dollhouse with Wheelchair Accessible Elevator from Mattel. Finally. For That's, dolls that have been born with a condition or suffered an accident. I'm not against that. It doesn't make me mad. But, but is there much desire for that? Or is that just virtue signaling? Is there really that much desire for that? I don't know. Has Ken come out yet? Um, No. He's still closeted. Of course, he's uh, he, he, he's one of your uh, you know multitude of Facebook genders because he has no genitalia. So is he non-gendered, I guess? Uh, Lego Harry Potter Hogwarts Astronomy Tower. So Harry Potter still continues to be a big deal long after the movies and books have come out. Mm. And even with the hateful, hateful J.K. Rowling, who's right. anti-trans. Yes. You're yes. following Hate that monger. whole thing. Um, Monster Jam. I know what I'm going to get, the what the, I think want the kids to get for Christmas. Monster Jam official Megalodon Storm all-terrain remote truck. Hell yeah. It's the biggest remote control truck I've ever seen. I saw it at the store the other day, and the kids want it so bad. So <laughs> that's really cool. Drive over you, anything. You, now, that's a toy for exactly. young lads. Huh? You buy the, kid, the kids that thing, they'll wake up in the morning with a beard. <laughs> now, that's a good toy. Well, I don't want to get them to the toxic masculinity, so to balance it out, I'll get the Barbie dream house with wheelchair accessible uh, <laughs> elevator. You'll turn them into Ken's. You hear what I'm saying? We have posted pictures of me with my handsome man wig, in case you're wondering what it looked like. Um, It's so bad. (laughs) I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that about another man. So it got ugly in Philadelphia this week. A lot of looting and that sort of stuff. we got to report on that, among other things, on the way. Armstrong and Getty.